Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. We pray that you grow in your walk with God through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching from our lead pastor, Adam Scott. Amen. Hey, the building you're sitting in is just a building, but you are the church. Can I tell you something really cool? I picked that video out about a month ago, and, and two weeks ago our building imploded, okay? And, and all of a sudden I went back to watch this video in preparation for the service, and I was like, this is perfect. God was working even then to say things we needed to hear today. The church is not the building, it's the people. Listen, in case you missed it, maybe you went home for the college break or you've been out of town for the past couple weeks. Let me fill you in on some of the things we've been dealing with around here. Okay, our Christmas Eve services were canceled because we didn't have power in this area. We waited to the last second, but we finally had to call them and we couldn't meet for Christmas Eve. On Christmas morning, okay, we got the call that there was a pipe inside our building that had burst and was flooding the hallways. Okay, Will called me because he got the call first and I pulled up our cameras and I saw water flooding down our elementary hall. Okay, it has damaged every single room on our elementary hall, including most of our offices. Okay, but since that time, I made a list of the things that we've dealt with, okay? Since that time, we've had fire suppression system problems. We've had air conditioning unit problems. Okay, just got this one fixed on Wednesday. Uh, We've had a pipe burst at our campus church. We've had a toilet explode, and that one's gonna make its way into a sermon one day, okay? Had a toilet explode. And we have had more problems with the water line coming into the building than I could explain in a day. But let me tell you something. Last Sunday, without a building, the church came together. In one of the most timely and impactful services I have ever been a part of at Northridge, we came together and it solidified this idea in my mind that the walls and the carpet and the ceiling and our children's wing cannot proclaim the gospel. The offices cannot praise the name of Jesus. This building is not the church. We are the church. And we will be the church long after this building is gone. Amen? Here's what I want to say. Just be patient with us, okay, and be flexible as we're working through some of this stuff. Some of you showed up late today because you didn't know you were taking your kids out to another building and and all that kind of stuff. Just be patient and flexible as we kind of work through programming. Um, But listen, we're not going to be distracted and we're not going to slow down because God is doing something. He's ready to do something and we're going to lean all the way into it, okay? That being said, let me introduce this new series, okay? It's called Fine Print. How many of you have ever read the fine print on a bottle of medication before? Anybody? It'll scare the living daylights out of you, okay? Turns out you may be trading a runny nose for hallucinations, weight gain, tendon ruptures, and urine that turns blue, okay? All of that just to get rid of runny nose. Or what about the fine print in a sales contract, okay? The strongest vocabulary in the English language is reserved to tell you in that contract that the seller is not responsible for anything. Listen, when I was a youth pastor, I used to tell the teens all the time that the medical and liability release forms that were signed by their parents, the fine print on those forms, actually gave me permission to lose two of them a year without any repercussions, okay? The fine print matters. It outlines important information about the commitments that we're making, and a lot of times we just click to accept it or sign on the dotted line without ever paying attention to it. 
But let me tell you something, if the commitments that we're making are important out there, they're so much more important in here. And that's why over the next five weeks, what we're gonna do is we're gonna shine a light on the fine print of what it means to be a partner at Northridge Christian Church. This is our form of membership, and we're gonna shine a light on all five things, the fine print details that we have of the people that choose to partner with us here. Now, I want you to know every single one of these things is rooted in scripture, and it's applicable for all believers, but there are some things about the strategy that are very specific to our church. And so what we're gonna ask is throughout this series, as we come up to the end of it in five weeks, we're gonna ask you to say one of three things, okay? First one, you may say, I'm all in to letting God use me in this place at this time. Okay, that means that you are ready to formally partner with us or to continue partnering with us to seeing God work in and through you in this place. We're gonna celebrate that. Second thing you may say, I'm not ready to partner with Northridge just yet. You see, the thing is, you don't have to partner with Northridge to attend Northridge. Anybody is welcome to attend. But what we want is after this series, if you're not ready to take that step, we want you to own it. And we want you to say, I'm holding back for a specific reason, for a specific period of time. Because if you're looking for a church just to step into without any kind of commitment for years and years, then this isn't the church for you. Which leads to the third thing you may say. You may say Northridge is not the church for me. I want you to hear me say this loud and clear. There are a lot of incredible churches in our area. And the way we do things is not the only way to do things. And we care more about you being committed to a church than we care about you being committed to our church. And so if you hear these things and you say, Northridge is not the place for me, those strategies don't work for me, come talk to me. And I'll make a recommendation for some other incredible churches that you can try, and I will celebrate the fact that God is gonna use you in that place. Sound good? All right, that's enough introduction. Here's the first fine print expectation we have of the people who partner with us at Northridge. We expect every partner to be focused on reaching others. See, we expect every person who calls Northridge Christian Church their home to embrace the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ as a prized possession that is just too good to keep to themselves. We expect every single person that sits in these seats and calls Northridge home to have a relationship with Jesus that fills them with a passion to make his name famous in the world around them. We expect that the people who partner with us here will take advantage of every single resource we make available to make this community around us the absolute hardest place in the world to go to hell from. Let me show you what this looks like, okay? A lot of people think the church is like this, okay? The church is just a little pump of air in a balloon, okay? I mean, this is what you do every weekend, right? And, and so you've got just a little bit of air in you and, and you're content and you're comfortable. You're not stretched very much. You're not, you're not really uncomfortable like Jonathan was talking about. You just kind of camp out here and, and you're excited to be in this place, okay? I got a little bit of Jesus this week and so I'm good for another week. And then you may even do a little... Okay, excuse me, I let a little bit of Jesus out. Like that's, that's how people react to the church. But let me tell you something, okay? We believe it is our job not to be lifeless, half-filled, break a little Jesus wind on the weekend Christ followers. 
Okay, it's our job to do something different. Okay, this is what we want our people to do. People that call Northridge Christian home, our partners, we want them to do this. We want them to be on the verge of busting. We want them to be so full of Jesus week in and week out that they're ready to bust and explode and start a revolution in this community. See, we want people to get to a point where they're ready for us to say amen, ready for us to close out the service so that they can go out in this community and go all over the place with the good news of Jesus Christ and what he has done for them. Amen? But that's what the church is supposed to be, and that's what we desire to become. Today, we're going to take a look at what that looks like. Okay, let's start off with the why. This is what it says in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. It says, then Jesus came to them, okay, them being the disciples. Okay, these are his closest followers. This is the church, okay? Jesus came to them and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Let me ask you something. What's the smallest amount of authority you've ever seen go to somebody's head? Okay, I posted this on Facebook and I got lots of good answers from giving a student control of Spotify to letting them be the line leader, giving a child the remote controller, letting them choose where the family stops to eat. Okay, goes to their head. My favorite one was a youth pastor. He said he put a kid in charge of flipping through the slides for the songs they were singing during a a teen program. Next thing you know, he had a name tag that described himself as the band's manager. Okay, like it just went straight to his head. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me, all authority in heaven and on earth. You see, he's not in control of the remote and he's not in control of the band. His death, his burial, and his resurrection establish him as the supreme ruler of the entire universe. He's the boss. He's the head honcho. He's the grand poobah. He is the big enchilada, and he answers to no man. What does he do with that authority? Well, he tells us in the next verse. He says, therefore, okay, as a result of my authority, as a result of the fact that I wield all power in the entire universe, Go and make disciples. That's it. As a result of my authority, go and make disciples. Listen, church, our marching orders handed down by the one who wields power over heaven and earth is to be the kind of disciples that make disciples, to be the kind of followers of Jesus that reproduce into more followers of Jesus. Here's our sermon in a sentence. We exist as a church, as an organization, but also as the individuals who make up that organization. We exist to win people to Jesus. It is our mission, it is our assignment, it is our responsibility to multiply, to duplicate ourselves by proclaiming the name of Jesus to the world around us. Listen, this place, this church is not a weekend excursion. It is a gathering of people on a mission from God. This is the very first time that Jesus actually talks about the church. I want to show you what he says in, in Matthew 16, 18. Okay? He says, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and they will have more programs than ESPN. That's not in the Bible. Okay? That's not what he says. What does he say? He says, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and they will right every political wrong. That's not it. That's not what he says about the church. Let me show you what he really says about the church. He says, and I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. In other words, the very first time 
that Jesus talks about the church. He talks about what it is that we're doing in this place right now. He gives a clear, visible reminder that we are engaged in a war to steal the souls from hell. And if we cease to do that, then we cease to be the church. Listen, I don't care how long you've been here. I don't care when you got baptized and became sold out for Jesus. I do not want to mislead you. We exist to win people to Jesus. And every single one of you is an essential part of that mission. So how are we going to do it? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 23, Paul is a, a hero of the faith. He's, he's a champion of this mindset. And he leaves us his playbook. He says, let me show you how I do what Jesus talked about so that you can do what I do and even more people will come to know Jesus. This is what he says in those verses. He says, though I'm free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. Okay, that key phrase right there is his way of saying, this is why I do what I do. It's to win as many as possible. I am living with the goal of winning people to Jesus, just like Jesus told me to. This is how he does it. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. He goes on to say, to the weak, I became weak. To win the weak, I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings." Listen, there's two observations that I want to make from this this passage. It's going to help us to live out our desire to proclaim the name of Jesus to the world around us. The first one is this. Our methods change, but our message does not. Our methods change, but our message does not. See, Paul says to the Jews, he became like a Jew to win the Jews. And he goes on through an entire list of basically saying that he changes his strategy depending on the group that he is talking to. He says, what works with this group isn't gonna work with this group. And so I employ various strategies so that I can reach all these different people with the gospel. In other words, he embraces change for the sake of the gospel. He holds tightly to the message of Jesus Christ, but he holds loosely to the method that he uses to deliver that message to the people around him. Let me illustrate what this looks like. Let's say I have you over to my house. Okay, you come to my house and we're sitting around and we're talking and I say, hey, do you want a drink? And you say, sure, I'd like a drink. And so I go to the kitchen and I come back with this, okay? Now this is an old picture, okay? Um, I don't know exactly when it was made. It says 2008, but I think that's BC, okay? This thing is old, okay? Jesus may have crafted this himself, okay? It has been around for a while, And so I come in and I bring this to you and and I I pour you a drink just like this, okay? And and when I hand you this drink, what are you thinking about in that moment? See, you're you're not thinking about the substance, right? You're not thinking about what's inside the cup. You're thinking about this, right? You're thinking, where in the world did he get that? And how long has he had it? Why can't he up to church should pay him more money so that he could buy a new picture? You're thinking, is this even safe? I mean, like, is there mercury or some other crazy substance in this? I can't drink that. It was made by Jesus himself. 
All of a sudden, all you can focus on is this and you're not even concerned with what's in the cup. Okay, let's say I go back in the kitchen and I come back out. I notice your hesitation. And so I come back out and I'm, I'm carrying this picture right here. Okay, this is just a simple, ordinary picture. I got this off my kitchen counter this morning. I don't even know if it's clean, okay? But I'm gonna bring it out and I'm gonna serve it to you, okay? I'm gonna pour you a glass of water. Okay, exact same substance is what was in this jar right here. Okay, but I give you this. What are you thinking about now? All you're thinking about is what's in the cup, right? You're not worried about the picture. This is too common. It's too ordinary. It's too simple. It doesn't even stand out. You didn't even notice it. Only thing you notice is what's in here. You're not concerned with the method. You're concerned with the substance that flows from it. What does that have to do with the church? It has everything to do with the church. You see, this right here, this is why our music evolves to reflect what's popular in the world around us. It's not because we idolize culture, okay? And it's not because we believe that one style of music is better and more spiritual than any other style of music. Listen, if the accordion becomes popular on the Billboard Top 100, Will's gonna go get him an accordion and learn how to play it. Our music evolves because we view musical style as an ever-changing tool that carries within it the never-changing gospel. And our desire as a church our desire is that our methods fade into the background. They're so simple and common and ordinary that you don't even notice them. The only thing you see is the substance of Jesus Christ. See, this is why we dress the way we do. Every once in a while, I'll have somebody talk to me and they say, why don't you wear a suit and tie? Okay, don't you even have a suit and tie? I'm not too lazy to wear a suit and tie, but what I want is for what we wear on stage to just fade into the background. It doesn't matter. It's a method so that all people can talk about when they show up in this place is the message of Jesus Christ. Listen, that's why I preach from an iPad. That's why we use a teaching display like this. This isn't a super spiritual combination that guarantees us success, okay? This is just something you see in your everyday world so much so that it just blends in and you don't pay attention to it so that people can focus on Jesus. Listen, the bottom line is this, we exist to win people to Jesus. Show me a better way to do it and we'll throw all this stuff out and do it that way because we don't care about the method. We're holding tightly to the substance, the message of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, that leads to the second takeaway from Paul's text. Okay, winning people to Jesus requires sacrifice. It requires sacrifice. You see, I guarantee you there are some methods that Paul prefers over other methods. There's some of them that are more comfortable for him. There's some of them that are easier to hold. There's some of them he wishes he could do all the time. And he believes, based on the context around this passage, he believes he has the right to those things. But what he says here is, I'm willing to abandon my preferences. Because my preferences, my rights, they don't matter more than another person's salvation. And what Paul says is, show me what needs to be sacrificed so just one more person can come to know Jesus and I will amputate it myself. Let me give you some examples that I've seen recently in the church of this, okay? We had a plan and our plan was to, because if you look around, it's packed in here, right? A little uncomfortable, okay? They say 80% capacity and then the church isn't gonna grow anymore and that was pre-COVID. I think it's more like 60% now and people just aren't gonna connect and they're not gonna stay and we see this problem, right? There are people visiting today that probably are not gonna come back because they had to sit so close to you and your breath stinks, okay? It's just the way church works. 
And so we had a plan. We knew January was going to be packed. We knew February was going to be packed. And we know we're going to continue to grow because God's doing something here. And so we decided we were going to open up our student building as an overflow space. We worked on this for months. We were going to have a live band out there, and we were going to stream in the message that you're seeing on the screens right now. And we were going to ask our committed people to sacrifice their seats so they could go out there and watch it in that place so that more people could come to know Jesus in this place. That was our plan. Well, then that building flooded. We got a lot of water problems around here, okay? But when that building flooded, it killed all of our plans to do that. And I was explaining this to one of our members, okay? And this, this is a lady, I don't want to embarrass her, so I won't tell you her name. I don't want to embarrass Brenda Folsom, so just, but, but I was talking to her, and, and when I was talking to her, I explained this, and I said, I don't even know where we're going to fit people. Like, people are going to be turned away because of how crowded it gets. I don't even know what we're going to do. She said immediately, she said, they can have my seat. So I'll stand. I'll go out in the cafe. I'll go anywhere you need me to go so that more people can come into this place and experience the love of Jesus Christ. Man, I don't know if she could see it or not, but my chest was beating so hard I could hear it. And I'm jumping up and down going, that's it. That's what we're talking about. That's the kind of sacrifice and the kind of mindset that God is gonna use to change the world. Listen, another incident, there was a guy that we were talking about in our staff meeting, and he was at our first Friday event, and, and he invited somebody to come to the church. He didn't know this person, but he invited him to come to the church. That next week, this man who did the inviting, who's part of our church, he showed up 30, 40 minutes early, and we were like, what are you doing here so early? You don't ever get here this early. What, clean toilets or something, you know? And, and he said, no, no, no. He said, I invited somebody to church. And he said, I'm willing to get here early so that if they show up, they see a familiar face that's smiling back at them so they know that they have somebody they can sit with. Man, I'm jumping up and down on the inside going, that's it. That's the kind of mindset, the kind of sacrifice that God is gonna use to change the world. Listen, I've already told you guys how I feel about people who come to our services and use the earplugs to plug their ears. We have earplugs at the back if you ever need them. Okay? And we have some folks, they come in here and they immediately put those in their ears so it drowns out the music. And see, a lot of people, they look at those people and they think, oh, come on, just get with the times. And no, no, that's not how I look at it at all. Those are the heroes of our church. Because those are the people that say, I don't even like what's going on here, but I love what God is doing here. I'll abandon my preferences. I'll sacrifice what I want so that I can be in this place and see God work and reach even more people. Let me tell you something, that's the kind of sacrifice, the kind of mindset that God is gonna use to change the world. Here's one more. The goal we set for our Christmas offering was $30,000. Our plan was to use $30,000 to bring back Serve Day so we can go out and serve this community and also to bless the homeless people in this community, to help them find a place, specifically the children with our school system, find a place where they can have a permanent residence with a roof over their head. $30,000 was our goal. You guys brought in $48,250. I have a meeting this week where we're gonna sit down and say, what do we do with an extra $18,000 to bless this community? Because of your generosity and because of your sacrifice. Let me tell you something, that's the kind of mindset kind of sacrifice that God is going to use to change the world. Listen, this is going to be our theme all year. You're going to see me revisit this over and over and over again because it's been on my heart for a while and I believe it's where God's leading us this year. Simply this, we will sacrifice anything to impact eternity. As a church, as a body of believers, as the individuals who make up that church, we will sacrifice anything to impact eternity.
What I want from you is when you see evidence of this, when you see somebody making a sacrifice that's gonna impact somebody's spiritual life, their eternity, I want you to do what I did. I want you to bounce up and down. I want you to cheer. I want you to point it out and I want you to celebrate it so that our entire church will grasp hold of it and our entire community will be transformed. Listen, Paul says, I do all this for the sake of the gospel. So like Paul, everything we do is to win people to Jesus and we will do anything short of sin to make that happen. So the heart of the people that call Northridge home beats for the people in this community. Let me ask you something. Who has God placed on your heart that needs to come to know Jesus? What are some sacrifices that you can make so that somebody might grow in their walk with him? What circle of influence has God given you so that you can proclaim the gospel and help them walk into the most important relationship they'll ever have, a relationship with Jesus Christ. Man, it's time that we as the church get serious about our marching orders and say, I'm gonna do what Jesus has called me to do. I'm gonna go out into this community and we're gonna start a revolution in this place because Jesus is ready to work. Hey, I wanna end in this way. I didn't do this in the last service, but it feels right now. Okay, I want everybody to stand up. Okay, seems to be the theme, right? Jonathan made you do it. I'll make you do it. We just like standing. And what I want you to do is, is in just a second, when I say go, I, I want everybody to turn around, okay? Because a lot of times what we do is when we pray to kind of close out a sermon or whatever, we're all facing this way and it's all kind of a churchy thing. What I'm wanting us to do is to just see the fact that we're gonna turn and face the community around us. And as we pray, I, I just want you to be praying boldly for the people out there, the people in the restaurants, people in the grocery stores, the people at the schools, the colleges, the people that are in the homes around this church, that they might come to know Jesus Christ because of what God is doing in this place and what he's doing at every other church in this community. Y'all turn around and let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love this community. And we love the responsibility that you have given us to transform this community by your power and your authority. God, I pray that when we leave this place, God, we would be like that balloon that we just let go, that it's, it's erratic and it's crazy and it's just on fire to go wherever it feels led to go. And God, I pray that we would be that way. That we might bounce around from all the businesses, bounce around to all the schools, bounce around from home to home to impact our neighborhoods so that more and more people in this community would come to know you as their Lord and Savior. God, we are not better than anybody else in this community, but we have found something that they need to find. And so I pray that you would give us a passion to take what we've found and to share it with the people around us. God, place people on our hearts. Show us what our circle of influence is and give us the boldness and the courage to proclaim you through it. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at northridge.online.